Carnivorous couch, it happens once a week. It swallows us for two hours when we try to sleep. It forces us to watch a film about which we then speak. Carnivorous couch with Brady and Rob. Hi everybody, hi everybody, hi everybody, and welcome to another episode of Carnivorous Couch, the spoiler-full podcast where you get a film a week from two film geeks. This week we have Brady, as usual, and also Tess and Rob. Uh, we did this uh, other Mike Lay film called uh, Happy Go Lucky. Happy Go Lucky. From 2008. Yep, 2008. Uh, let's get into it. Yeah? You want me to do a plot synopsis? You know, I want to do the first half and have you do the second half. Right. Or test yeah, the yeah, that half. sounds good. Does That's that sound interesting. Cool? Sounds good. Okay, cool. Uh, so we start off with uh, this this chick, uh, Poppy, right? Yeah, Poppy. Here. Her name's Pauline, but she goes by Poppy. She's played by Sally Hawkins. Sally Hawkins, who was also in uh, Blue Jasmine, recent Oscar nominee yeah. for that. Yeah. So, um, all that being that way, uh, she starts out in a scene where she is a. Uh, parking her bike there are bikes locked next to her bike there are people locking and unlocking their bikes as we track through the crowd she goes to a flea market or something like that and then she goes to a bookstore um she goes to the bookstore she's obviously very kooky at the uh the attendant and he's uh very standoffish and she's like you having a bad day and he's like no you're just a weirdo and uh anyway so she goes to the kids section she reads a book and then she leaves um Anyway, uh, that happens. She goes back to her bike. Her bike's been stolen because it wasn't locked up. But she's not really pissed off or upset or anything like that. She's just, <laughs> and she just kind of laughs at it. Actually, we have this motif throughout it where she just kind of laughs at the pain. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it seems to be a cyclical thing with her uh, between whether or not she actually feels uh, somebody else's pain and laughs at it or her own pain and laughs at it. But that's something we'll talk about and what's it all about. Um, so anyway, she just kind of goes, well... My, I didn't get to say goodbye. And then she uh, walks on home, uh, hangs out with her roommate, and we can see it's like a very nurturing kind of mutual relationship, both late 20s, early 30s gals. Uh, Poppy, I think, is exactly 30. Um, and they, they hang out together. They've been in that flat for 10 years, and uh, they're obviously very comfortable with their living situation and are very nurturing to each other. Um, from there, we go on to uh, her job, right? Yeah, th- they're both uh, primary school teachers. Right. So her job, um, sh- or her friend drives herself to the other one. I think I just mentioned that she announces to her, her roommate that she's going to learn to drive now that her bike's been stolen. Yeah, she's going to take a driving lesson. I mean, I don't know if the bike set it up. It might have been something that was in the works for a while. Right. So anyway, she goes to her uh, her job. She has to take the bus because she has no bike. And, uh, you know, she's just kind of falling over everybody. And everybody else is kind of like, uh, what's, what's with this chick who doesn't know how to ride the bus and she's carrying <laughs> a billion things? Doesn't know but how to ride the bus. Right, but she doesn't She doesn't get upset or standoffish or anything. She's obviously just very, oh, you know, this is life. Um, her friend easily drives to her job and blah, 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 blah. We have that kind of uh, cut scene back and forth action. Um, they make masks with the kids. You know, she has a class full of kids. She likes She's very enthusiastic about yeah, that. They're both teaching them about birds. Yeah. These kids are probably in like the second grade. I don't know right, what year this is. For Poppies might be first or kindergarten. Uh, Zoe's her roommate. Uh, right. Obviously teaching a slightly older class. Right. 
Okay, so anyway, after that, um, we get... Basically, Poppy meets a series of people. Um, or, you know, engages with a series of people. One of the people being uh, her um, associate teacher who goes and um, does... Flamenco. Flamenco dancing, thank you. Um, also, great great performance by <laughs> uh, the actress who does the flamenco dancer. She's amazing, yeah. Yeah, I but agree. At any rate, so she goes through a bunch of positive influences. That she has a night out with her friends. She does the flamenco dancing. You know, she hangs out with her sister a few times. And then at some point in time, um, like this film was very much at the beginning. Everything is very happy and positive, And the people that she meets are happy and positive and maybe doing the right thing in life. Uh, which is to do your best to be happy. Um, and then right split in the middle of it, we meet this very um, sad gentleman who is a uh, homeless person, or so we believe. Uh, he's singing. She's walking around. I'm going to bring up. Well, oh you're, yeah. you're gonna well, this bring may you're be the midway point, so maybe I can bring I want to talk about that guy. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But you can bring up the driving instructor and then talk about that and how they relate and blah, 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 Scott. and take it take it on down. Um, but anyway, she meets this guy, and it's at also at the same time when she's taking driving lessons from this guy who's not very happy and kind of an unsavory character, I might say, but a frustrated character, something like that. Um, and then there's also at the same time a child who is acting out in her class. And this is at the turning point where the midway point sort of happens. And then she meets somebody who's neither an unhappy person or a, a happy person, just a dysfunctional person. Um, and her instinct with that and even the happy people and the sad people throughout the film is just to communicate. And she has this weird dance with him where they communicate and he kind of shows what she understands. I'm sure we'll get more into that uh, when we do What's It All About. But anyway, I'm going to hand it over to Brady to kind of tie in the... Uh, unhappy driving instructor and the second half of the film yeah i mean so we meet this uh the driving instructor played by eddie marson great performance uh, fairly early on you know probably like four or five scenes in because yeah. it's a it's a continual framing device and it it comes back from time to time to frame the actions around it that she keeps having these lessons with this person who's kind of a diametric opposite to her and it's kind of a duet between her optimism and his pessimism and so we've got that going along. Uh, she also hurts her back because she loves to trampoline. And so... <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll talk more about that. But. Yeah. And so, but, yeah, the, the climax in terms of kind of changing the tone of this film for me is it, a lot of the scenes feel isolated up until then, but there's kind of this framing where she's standing at her window and she's been a very happy, frivolous person and she's at, she's at her school and she's watching the kids at recess, and yeah, she looks outside, and she sees another child beating up one of the kids. And she just looks there, and then we cut to the next scene, which is her at another driving lesson. Uh, but as she's going through the driving lesson, and this character, Scott, the instructor, is going on one of his... We just had a transmission from a distant planet. Uh, as he's going on another one of his tirades... She kind of looks at him and sees him in a different way. And at one point she asks him, like, well, how was school? And then finally she asks him, were you bullied? And at that point, the scene cuts and it cuts back to her at school. And she's running outside to break up the fight. And then oh, the other big thing that happens in that scene is we immediately cut from there to her at her flamenco lesson in these boots. And they're stomping. Because the thing we've gotten prior to that, when the flamenco teacher is explaining the origins of the dance, is that the gypsies brought it up 
And it was a way of, even though they were, you know, a people who were constantly transient, who were being persecuted, it was their way of declaring their territory, a positive, artistic way of saying, you know what, you cannot fuck with me. Like, don't fuck with me. Like, I'm standing up for my space. This means my space. And so it's kind of this moment where she goes from just being a purely optimistic, almost frivolous character, you know, in that opening scene, one of the opening scenes where she's at a club with her friends. She's very, very kind of not doesn't have her shit together, maybe a little bit like our our friend Francis Ha. Uh, And this I'm so glad you said that. I want to talk about. Yeah, this is the point where. And this is what the movie, well, we'll get to that when we talk about what it's about. But what it is, is that she's suddenly taken not only with, first off, the realization that not everyone is like her, which I'm sure she sort of knew, but she just sort of was always going to be who she was, this very giddy, chipper person. And at that point, she almost becomes a scientist uh, exploring the message of the movie, which is this kind of... (laughs) this war between grief and happiness and, you know, the fight to be happy. And so at that point, she wants to kind of take it apart, take apart misery, anger, grief, and understand it, mainly because she has this student, this young child, who's already acting this way. And so then we get to this scene Rob talked about where she's walking home at night and she hears just what would essentially, you know, be what you'd call a madman. I mean, it's a home... A Moby loop. Yeah, in, in fact... The, the funny thing is the movie even the movie even toys with maybe he's not homeless because she asks him, well, wh- where are you going to sleep tonight? He's like, in a bed. He's like, oh, of course. So because the point is in the homelessness, what sh- Poppy is trying to explore is people who are so the opposite of her, this place of grief that's almost primal. And that's kind of what the homeless guy is, is he's not even speaking in sensible terms. And yet the stuff he's saying is really interesting to me. It's almost like a. A weird well, beat I mean, poem. he's pretty sem- sensible. He just has trouble communicating. But he's I mean, he's very obviously talking about his father, who's very abusive, and his mother, who is very taking of the abuse. And I mean, n- I don't think none of it's that obvious. Hypofrontality it's, it's all problems. In snippets. Mo- the thing he says most often, he stammers a lot and continually looks to her and says, "Like, you know what I mean?" Because that's what it is. It's like, well, I know, right? Like, we don't know what each other mean because there's this wall of experience. What happens to us? The things that happen to us. Maybe we're abused. Well, we'll get into that when I think what it's yeah, all about. I but I thought it was pretty really clear. Anyway, but go on. Sorry. Well, yeah. Sorry. It's hard to talk about without talking about it. So anyway, at this point, the other thing that happens is she finally gets uh, talks to her teacher, the friend who took her to the flamenco lesson, tells her she has a problem with a pupil, and they bring in a social worker who's able to uncover that the child is being abused at home by his mother's boyfriend. And so they get to the bottom of that. They resolve that issue. And, you know, Poppy kind of comes to see uh, one of the sources of, of misery in the world and at the same time meets this guy who they hit it off and they agree to go on a date later. And so at that point, we meet uh, another couple characters who is Poppy's younger sister and her husband. Poppy's younger sister is pregnant, kind of another opposite to Poppy, someone who, in quotes, has their shit together, someone who has the mortgage and the pension and they're starting up the family, and they plant rose bushes in the backyard. And so they go to meet her, and they kind of uh, there's a little fight that happens there because her Poppy's younger sister, Susie, gets annoyed because the pregnant sister is basically haranguing Poppy, haranguing those around her for not having the same togetherness to their life that she does. Even though what kind of comes out is that there's a little bit of grief or misery with her, too, not being satisfied in her life. And she's put off by the fact that someone like Poppy 
cannot have their ducks all in a row and still allowed to be feel happy. Happiness. Yeah. And so, uh, so they do that. They go off to that trip, and then when they return, they find that Scott is uh, waiting in front of Poppy's house. And when she calls to him, he runs off. And so, so stupid. The, yeah, Why is that your reaction? He, he anyway. runs off like a stalker, basically. And then Poppy goes on her date with the guy, and they hit it off, and they have sex. And then <laughs> Poppy comes for her last driving lesson, or well, what ends up being her last driving lesson, and confronts Scott about it. And he is just in such a place of rage and kind of discomfort that he's driving wildly, recklessly. He's screaming racial epithets at the people around him. And so this is the point where Poppy kind of really holds her ground, where this duet between optimism and pessimism reaches its head. She takes his keys from him and says, I, I won't let you drive if Never you're going to behave like mad. this. If you're going to be in this mental state, you're a danger to yourself and to others. And they have it out. And what kind of comes to pass is that you find out that a lot of this is Scott's sexual frustrations, feelings that Poppy was flirting with him, that Poppy was trying to lead him on. And uh, so she calms him down and breaks off the relationship, breaks off the professional relationship, and they can no longer be student and teacher anymore. And she kind of takes a long walk, and you can see she's very stricken. It kind of like this is the big hypothesis of her <laughs> understanding of trying to reach out to people less happy than she is. And the last scene is her and Zoe, her roommate, in a boat. And Zoe's like, what, should we call the police on him? And she's like, no, no, like that's not going to help him. Like it's it's not that any of that's going to change, but it's that she's come to this position of, of maybe just, you know, it's not a huge revelation. It's just understanding something different from yourself a little bit better. And, yeah. and that's where it And ends. then the film is over. Yeah. And it. so we go on to, uh, hey, 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 how do we like it? Hey, Tess, how'd you like it? Um, I really liked this movie. Um, and I saw this once before, and I got to tell you, I don't remember very much of it. I don't think I was paying that close attention the first time I saw it. I didn't really latch on to it. Um, and then I got, uh, when I saw Another Year, Another Year is one of my all-time favorite movies, um, as I'm sure anyone who listened to last week's or whatever week it was. And if you haven't, you should. Check us out at carnivorouscouch.com. Thank you. Uh, anyone who listened to that would know that I absolutely love that movie. And I haven't seen much anything else that Mike Lee has done except for Happy Go Lucky. And rewatching it now, knowing what I know about um, Another Year, really made it that much more enjoyable. I think it's a little messier. I think it doesn't have as clear an idea about what it is or who the characters are as I would like. And uh, it does, you know, in, in comparison to what I saw in another year, you know, things feel a little messier. But I really, really enjoyed it the second time around because I kind of knew what I was jumping into. So, yeah, I really liked it. Um, I would say that it's an A. Cool. Uh, I also like this movie. Uh, it's very nice, uh, very well put together. And... Uh, I think very interesting in many different ways. Uh, you know, it starts off with a very clear, mellow, Johnny one-note sort of tone, and then it kind of devolves into a thing until it basically, after plummeting that, or plumbing, plumbing? Yeah, plumbing. Plumbing that valley comes basically back up to the to the beginning of the of the film again, showing the cyclical nature of her transformation throughout the entire thing. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, B+. Plus. All right. Um, and I, uh, I love this movie. I've seen this movie many many times and this was kind of 
I'd already seen Vera Drake before seeing this, which is a, mm. an excellent movie. But this is kind of the point I fell in love with Mike Lee. And a lot of that is uh, meat for what's it all about. But I'll just say that, you know, I, I think it's an enormously... Uh, Tess is right. In a way, it's messier. But I think what that is is more... Another year to me is mythic and primal almost, especially with those clean chapters. This is more of a, a, a talk-based kind of intellectual exercise. It's an intellectual look at kind of how we respond to the world and this optimism versus pessimism, the attitude we bring. And so I think that's awesome. But the other reason I love it is the acting to me in Mike Lee films is so perfect. And each performance has gone over in such a handcrafted way with that one-month improvisational process which we discussed in the Another Year cast, but they basically workshop around a skeleton script for months. So these are really lived-in characters. I think each character is an art piece unto mm. itself. Uh, yeah, and I just love this film. I love the things it has to say about how we deal with life, and I love its uh, its character growth and the arc. And We'll talk more about it. The colors, children, the magnificent colors. The colors. I, I want to say one thing um, about that is that... Uh, I feel like you get really, really well-rounded well characters in another year where, like, even if they're not totally likable or they have problems, like, no one is quite as... And I don't want to say one note, and I don't want to say, you know, one-sided or flat, uh, but there's something that's sort of like that about the driving instructor that you would never see in another year. Like, e even, even when someone behaves badly, you can really get into their head, and I, don't, I didn't really see that with the driving instructor as much. What about, like, uh, Carl, the son? But even he, and, and, and he's, year. you know, yeah, that's in another year, yes. But, I mean, like, even he, I think, like, has so much going on that is so readily apparent on the surface. There's a lot on his sleeve that you can just see. Whereas, like, with the driving instructor, they try and give him this depth, and they try, but he still just comes off as nasty. And I'm not saying there aren't people like that, but, you know, just from what I've seen with another year, I know that even when someone is that way, he's capable of handling them in less of a one-sided fashion. And yes, it's about pessimism versus optimism, but I, you know, as someone who considers themselves maybe like slightly pessimistic and sort of on his side, I wanted to see him a little more well-rounded. All right, anyway. great. Uh, let's take a little break That's and do understudy. We're so sorry if we couldn't get the actors to do the scene from this screenplay, but we got two understudies, and to be honest, they're probably more famous anyway, so Right against the actors, right against the movies. Tweet us at C A R N Y Couch. This game is called Understudy. It's happening, happening, happening right now. All right. I was just admiring your sword. Quite a piece of work. Speaking of which, how is Hanzo san? Oh, he's good. Has his sushi gotten any better? You know, it's still the same old rotten fish that he served all the time anyway. You know, I couldn't believe it. You got him to make you a sword? Yeah, I just dropped your name and he was like, Oh, okay, <sighs> to kill that asshole. Yeah, that'd do it. I suppose the idea is we cross Hanzo's swords, am I right? Yes. I mean, that's what we're gonna do. Well... well 
It just so happens that this hacienda is its own private beach. Hacienda, what are you? Some sort of Spanish ambassador? And this private beach just so happens to look particularly beautiful, bathed in moonlight. And there so happens to be a full moon out tonight. So, sword fighter, if you want a sword fight, that's where I suggest. I don't know where you got that I was a sword fighter, but okay. Oh, would you shut up? Okay, God. sorry. But if you want to be old school about it, and you know I'm all about old school, God. Because if we have ever played Nintendo together, then you know that I have fucked you up. Anyway, if you want to be old school, then we could wait until dawn and slice each other up at sunrise like a couple of real-life honest. Well, I'm just going to try and kill you and stuff because this is wearing on my nerves. I mean... You're always talking in that grating voice. Now, if you don't settle down, I'm going to have to put one in your kneecap. And I hear that's a very painful place to get shot in. (laughs) I should know. I've been shot there many times. Yeah, I know you have. We both have. Yeah, the monarchs just always (laughs) shooting us. I'm just fucking with you. Now, when it comes to you and us... I have a few unanswered questions. You have so lots of unanswered questions. It's because your mom was crazy. My Don't you... You don't know my mom. Yeah, I do. Her name's Gladys. My... You shut up about my mom. God. Anyway, when it comes to us, I have a few unanswered questions, as I was saying... So before this tale of bloody revenge reaches its climax, I'm going to ask you some questions. And I want you to tell me the truth. However, therein lies the dilemma. What uh, What kind of dilemma does it... What, what dilemma? You want to ask? Uh, Just ask. Because when it comes to the subject of me, I believe you are truly and utterly incapable of telling the truth. Especially to me. That was uncertain. Tweet us your answer at C A R N Y Couch. Hi, everybody. That was a great round of understudy. Uh, Chris and Ryan along. Uh, what's it all about? What's it all about? What's it all about, baby? Okay, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm kicking us off. All right, gonna kick it, gonna um, kick its ass, more wh- like it. What it's all about? It's about a lot of things. Uh, and starting with another year is a good way to think about it. When we talked about another year, we talked about this idea of kind of the, the pressure and the weight and the hardship that life heaps upon people. And so there's a bit of that in Happy Go Lucky, especially with you know Poppy is feeling the pain that she's 30. Up until the very end of the film, she hasn't found anyone. She's got a sister who's pressuring her about getting a mortgage and a job. So it's about, you know, dealing with life, dealing with the hardships of life and how we respond to it. And I think it's really interesting in the way that it it talks about, yeah, kind of presents, it, it redeems optimism in a way while also presenting a pretty clear picture of how someone might see Poppy. Poppy initially is maybe what you'd call a ditz. She's very, very chipper mm. to the point of being daffy, you could say. But the movie is about her growth into someone who actually wants to understand the other side. And that that more than anything to me is what the movie is about, is a woman who I think is making the right decision, who's making the smart and better decision by not uh, howling out in anguish when the world Mm. is unjust. And I don't think Mike Lee would never. Mike Lee's a bit of a bitter man himself. I mean, not unhealthily so, but I don't think Poppy is unaware of the fact that there's a lot of misery in the world. 
but it's about her coming to a place of wanting to understand it as a teacher of wanting mm-hmm. to know what what makes people howl out in grief what and, and that's why the centerpiece scene to me might be that homeless man scene because the entire point and maybe Scott fits into this a little too is a bit of the miscommunication that we're not completely understanding it's i mean what's really poetic to me is just that guy continually asking like you know what i mean after saying mm-hmm. absolutely nothing of coherence just snippets of grief and but i like what rob said you get the sense there's maybe an abusive relationship or maybe he ended up with his brother's wife it could be anything but there's some kind of grief that just flickers and that's what she's trying to look at is like what what is it like what what makes me me and this guy who's too gr- too grieved to even uh, take care yeah. of himself like what is this gulf and what creates it well i mean the interesting thing about the homeless man is it it, it almost felt like he is like let's talk about the homeless man Huh? Yeah. Nothing. Everyone wants to talk about the homeless well, man. Well, I think I that's think what this movie yeah. is actually about because the homeless man both uh, entitles kind of the uh, the happy characters in the thing uh, outside of happy yourself, but the happy characters and happy. also the sad characters. I don't think the homeless man is necessarily miserable. I don't either. Right. He's but he's different. He's different than either the sad characters or the happy characters. He has he has like this. It's almost like hypofrontality where he just can't like communicate on the same plane to somebody else so he shows her and he does and i think he has a very coherent conversation he just isn't capable of uh communicating the way that the other characters and happy herself communicates with the other characters poppy but that she, oh, i'm sorry yeah, yeah yeah you're right you said happy twice i keep saying happy i love it well i feel like I've, i always <laughs> she's felt quite like a golfer i, <laughs> I always felt like <laughs> um, Jesus. like uh you know they said poppy and they named the thing Happy Go Lucky to kind of try, you know, fucking draws those things Happy Go Lucky. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. Uh, like consonant A P P Y, like P O P P Y, like same thing, right? Right. Okay. Right. Right. Thank you. Um, sorry, I misspoke. Yeah, I mean, maybe, and maybe At that's any rate, why. Can I oh, continue sorry. with my? Yeah, you can. Continue. Right. <laughs> okay. So uh, it's almost like this guy has this like sort of hypofrontality, this inability to communicate in the same way, and it's the same thing that she's going through with all the miserable characters. Is she she realizes not necessarily that she wants to understand misery, but that she would like to be able to communicate with people who are possibly incapable of it due to whatever their detriments are, be it a you know a uh, abusive uh, guy beating down on the kid, or you know this guy who's just been so crippled by the system as it were, or this. Um, this poor man who just his brain is not in the shape where he can communicate like you or I. She okay. wants to communicate with all of them. I think all that's right. a part of it. But another part of it to me, though, is that kind of my space thing, that stomp, that uh, wanting to like because she sees like uh, initially maybe she could have just judged the little kid who's beating up on the student. But she sees there's something weighing on people. It's not people. It's it's under pressure. Once again, it's the pressure that she wants to understand. I think there's a little bit of like, no, no, damn it. Like, I think it redeems, it gives optimism a kind of intelligence that is, it's not just being happy for blindness sake. It's saying, I'm going to be happy because I know there's plenty in this world that wants me to be racked with grief. And all of that is bullshit and it's bad and it's negative and it's born of abuse and misunderstanding. And yes, miscommunication. And I'm not... I'm going to stand my ground. Well, and that comes down to the scene with her sister where um, her sister's like, 
Like, Poppy, no, you're not happy. I don't believe you are because you don't have this and you don't have that. And these are the things that you're supposed to have to be happy. And that's what I got. And so now I'm happy. Uh, But, I mean, she's obviously not. She gets very defensive about the idea that uh, she could possibly not be happy. Right. And then it escalates very quick. Like, it's a judgment already on her, even before anybody judges her. And then everybody does judge her because she's going like, well, not everybody, mostly Zoe. I was actually really curious about that family dynamic. Anyway, can I do mine? Yeah. Um, so I think you guys are all like um, nail on the head here, and I really like that. But um, one thing I wanted to kind of like say cohesively in terms of the whole movie is to me this is about a woman who – she's a teacher, but – She's a person that is a teacher because she constantly wants to learn. And, um, yeah. So, like, in the way, yeah, JD always learns. Um, in the way that, you know, like, doctors want to treat people because they're sick or something. I don't know. Anyway, um, she, she's a teacher, but she really, what she really is, is a learner. And she wants to learn and she's always taking classes. She's taking, she she when we first time like the first time we see her in a class she's like learning how to trampoline what the fuck is that well she's doing it she's trampolining then she hurts herself trampolining and she goes to take flamenco classes and then she goes to to take this driving lesson and it's the first time we assume in her life that she has in, she has encountered someone from whom she can't learn so to me, it's, like, about her sort of, like, confronting, like, the idea of, like, well, maybe she is learning stuff, but she's not learning what she came there to learn. She's she's being confronted with something totally different than what she came there for, which was learning to drive. She's, she's being confronted with, like, a very, very unhappy, not even unhappy, a very angry person. Right. And um, I, I think that, like, we say pessimism, optimism. But to me, a lot of what she's encountering isn't unhappiness, which she sort of seems to have an understanding of. It's anger. Like, the thing that she's really, really having trouble with is, why are people this angry? This guy is really angry. The kid that she sees beating up the other kid is really, really angry. And that's the thing that really sort of sets her off to, to just see that, like, there are other sides to things in the world and like maybe she understands unhappiness she laughs it off she's capable of that it doesn't mean that she doesn't understand that there's that there's misery in the world what she doesn't understand i think is why it, instead of laughing at it people get angry yeah so i agree you with know, all- to me it's it's like the way that this movie is about learning and the way that we learn and um, the way that she, a, a person that constantly wants to be taking in life and learning everything that it has to offer and then suddenly being confronted with, you know, everyone has the same ability to take in all of these things as I do and they're angry about it. I agree so, with... Yeah. Go I, ahead. Go okay, ahead. okay. <laughs> I'm done. I'm, I'm, done. I'm not trying to interrupt you. I um, know, I know, and I can see that. Right. Um, <laughs> I agree with all except for the fact that maybe this is the first time she's encountered this. Because I think what... Uh, her sister? When, no, I just think uh, what the, the film shows us by her at the beginning and her at the end. I mean, her at the beginning, she's dealing with a little adversity with her bike getting stolen, too. Right? She reacts in a totally different way because she's in a totally different headspace at that point in time than she is 
by the end but of the movie. However, she hasn't. Go but ahead. I'm just trying to say that I don't think this is the first time. I think this is a cycle that she's been repeating. Cycle. I think I think that we start it at the same point that we end at, but although slightly different, right? Which is your typical A to B plot line, A to C plot line. At a certain point, you take a diversion, and then you come back to almost the same life, but slightly different. But, I mean, this seems to be, like, represented by the film and, you know, what's going on and how she relies on her roommate for help, who's her rock. She's been there for ten years and so forth and so on. She goes back to her roommate at the end of all of this and talks it over and just kind of goes like, no, we'll just, l- we'll just let him go his way. Um, I, I don't think it's necessarily, like, this is a unique experience. I It seems like mm. Poppy has been dealing with this before. This I don't think this is the you first s- time. That's She's certainly a, a – I would say that's an apt – like possibly that is definitely possibly true right especially with my definitely Lee possibly films. Happened. definitely possibly happened because definitely with, Mike, with Mike Lee so. films there is kind of a cyclical thing that he does like to play with but then on the other hand I also think that um she does like she does at the end of the movie she does look like she is having the kind of emotional crises this this epiphany moment where she's really having trouble understanding what she just went through and like uh, watching it i remembered thinking that this is how i felt when you know when i was like 16 and somebody said something that blew my mind and i i just went around having a crisis of conscious and like conscience and like couldn't deal with my life for and i just had to wander around for a while and like she really seems like she is so deeply affected by this in a way that indicates to me that she has not had to deal with this kind of anger from someone before but i think possibly and i'll let you speak in just one second brady i'm sorry um that it's just that she failed and she gave up and she said no not same time next week no we're not going to have another lesson i can't I can't win this one. Like, she gave up. Uh, but I don't think it's the first time she, that she's... Like, okay, possibly the guy's just that much more angry that this time she had to give up. I, I mean, I can yeah, see that. Yeah, obviously. Or, or, the, or, or maybe not that he's so angry. And she's angry. creeped out by him, too. Right, yeah, or just like, this would be too damaging to me to take this on. Or maybe, possibly, this guy is just too far gone and he's too much of a lost cause. To, to do it or, or whatever it is but I mean there's something uh, there's definitely something different about this case I'm just I'm just saying that I think that she has a cyclical relationship with this and she never comes back to the same point in in the sine wave or whatever it is <laughs> and you know maybe the sine wave kind of drifts upward as it goes like as she uh, w- where the nominal life before she started the sine wave is at the bottom and it, she just gets further and further away from it <laughs> no over time. No one knows what you're on with Rob the sine wave. Rob is doing many gesticulations of a, a graphy. Oh, right. Yes, I'm making a sine wave and I'm making a, a drawing of a line. But the sine wave moves upwards. So the asymptote of normal life before the cycle began, basically never you never get back to it. You always start, fur- you get further and further away. It's like do a parabola. Do you hear yeah. that? Do you hear that, Rob? That was our only listener turning off the podcast. <laughs> I think back here. I, I, think it was, I think it, I think it was the second listener <laughs> going, "Holy shit, dude! You have to hear what this fucker just said." <laughs> and then, like, now we have a thousand listeners. Uh huh. Yeah, I think Grandy would agree with me. Please use whatever psychotropic substances yes, Rob, you like I would. to mm-hmm. enhance us. Um, I mean, I think okay, because I oh, was Grandy. You're here. Great. I was going to disagree with Rob, I recommend but I hippie think, flipping. I think Rob is getting to it a little more. I don't think this is cyclical. A movie like Lewin Davis, that's cyclical. 
I think. Yes. Oh no, that's linear. But let's not get under <laughs> debate about Lewin Davis. Uh, <laughs> I think the stuff at the beginning with the bike and with her back being in pain, all that is stuff that just happens to her. In mm-hmm. a way, it's it's about a character like this. Maybe a late bloomer, a Francis Ha type who's having trouble getting things in line soon enough, figuring out, like, I mean, she's obviously a positive and pretty selfless person, but really being aware of other ways of thinking. And, yeah, I, I don't think this is, I think she's probably wrestled with the way her peppiness, her chipper attitude is viewed by others all through her life. But I think this is the first time that she's really been rocked to her core by the presence of anger in the world. And I am going to revise because I think Tess has it. It's less unhappiness than it is just, you know, like there's that one brief thing where Zoe's in the waiting room where Poppy's going to have her back popped in. Mm-hmm. And she's a, she sees a guy who's like miserable and clearly in pain, probably hurt his back. And she's like, oh, like it affects your mood, doesn't it? And the guy looks at her like weird, like, huh? Or it affects everything. Yeah, it affects everything. Like the way like something as simple as pain it's it's hard to be happy because the world gives us things that make it hard. But but Poppy laughs at pain. She laughs at she it. She goes like, "Oh, it feels weird." Like it it, like that's that's poignant in in and of itself. Like beyond context with the scene or any other scene is, oh, it feels weird. This feels so unfamiliar to me. I the only thing I can do is uncomfortably laugh. Yeah. No. Totally. I mean, I think it it's about. I think she's always she's never gonna unlearn this lesson, which is. Like, even though I think Lee is on her side, lands on her side, she, the look on her face is one of, oh, shoot. Like, okay, like, happiness isn't going to fix everything, and I can't fix everything. Like, I cannot fix certain people. I don't think she gives up. I think it's just, it is the absolute end lesson. Their final lesson is we're at an impasse. We're at a standoff, and and nothing's going to resolve that. And but I think the one other thing, if I can chime in just one more, what's it all about uh, is that Mike Lee sees both sides. But I think he does land on Poppy's side and saying that whichever's right or wrong, pessimism, optimism, whether either is justified and there's certainly misery in the world. An attitude closer to the Poppies is the healthier response. Yep. The healthier response is not to to lash out and to gnash our teeth and to. Because that's that's the cycle. That's the cycle that's in the movie is what happens to the little boy. Violence begetting violence. Anger begetting anger. And I think that's a great place to stop and do our uh, our uh, Metacritical. Excellent. A Metacritical. Rob's never gonna win. A Metacritical. Brady's the victor again. Woo-hoo. So it's time to play. Ooh, I'm gonna lose today. Metacritical, yeah, it's time, time to play. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Metacritical this week. Ah, we've got Brady, Rob, and Tess for all of it. So uh, let's start off with Tess picking a movie. Um, Atonement. Atonement. Does that have Benedict Cumberbatch in it? I it believe does. that it does. All right. What do people think that Metacritic rated Atonement? I forget. It's out of 100. Yep. Right? And yeah. 100's the best. And mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I think Metacritic rated Atonement 86. That sounds pretty close. I'm going to go 85. Okay. Tess and Brady are going 86. 
and 85. I don't know very much about this movie, but I think I saw the uh, the preview. And it looked like it was going to be one of those, you know, it's supposed to try and be an Oscar contender, and then it fell short it of that. It was an Oscar contender. Sort of, yeah. Did it win? No. It, so it fell it's short of that? picture. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, shit. So that the question is, are they dead on, or are they a little low, or are they a little high? I'm going to go with they're a little low. Uh, lo- I mean, a little high, and go with... 81. Okay. And the answer is 85. Um, so you, you subtract? Just write down, write it down. It's however many you're off. So I'm off by it's one. It's the absolute value. Yes, you're off by one. Yeah. Okay. One. And you want to have the lowest score, like golf? Yeah. Okay. Correctamundo. All right, Brady, why don't, you, why, don't you, why don't you pick a movie? Okay. Well, let's see if I can try to bounce off of that who is in atonement sisha ronan let's go with the lovely bones i didn't see that peter jackson oh no okay i'm gonna say lovely bones i haven't seen it but i'm gonna say that that gets a 65 okay i happen to know i think that this got an 87 on rotten tomatoes what lovely bones yeah okay so that being 65 like really bad like is this that like having big? nothing to do with uh metacritic which rates itself in a totally different way um i'm gonna go with 81 okay i'll go 59 brady goes 59 42 wow it's a shitty movie I I I have no idea what it is or what it's about or anything. Is Peter so. Jackson's? It's like a novel that lots of high schoolers read about a girl who's raped and murdered, and then she watches her dad solve the murder. What's um? What's sixty five minus forty two? Twenty three. Oh. Thanks, Brady. Busy doing my own math. Uh, I'm gonna also go with a serious Ronin film. Uh, if I can remember the title of it. It's uh, Hannah. Hannah. Oh. Hannah. Same guy who directed Atonement. Oh, uh, yeah? That's yeah. so funny. Well, I'm going to go 78 for Hannah. Okay. I'm going to go with... Um, I didn't see it. I heard it was supposed to be pretty good. I um, loved it. I saw it by myself in the movie theater. But what does Metacritic think? Um, I'll go with 70. Wait, what did I just say? 79? You said 72. Something, 72 or? Uh, I don't know. 78, 79. You said 79. I'm going to go with 70, just for simplicity's sake. All right, I'll go 66. Come on, internets, don't fail us now. It's H-A-N-N-A. 65 is what it got. Oh, I didn't do that bad. All right, two more to go, two more to go. Tess, pick another movie. Okay. Um, Haven't we only done three? Oh, do we do five? We've done five, yeah. yeah. Okay. Love Actually. Ooh, Love Actually. 72. Brady. Love Actually. 69. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to go with um, 68. Fifty-five. Okay. Ooh, 
I'm not doing as badly as I did last I'm time. I'm doing horribly. Ready, <laughs> your turn. Okay. Love, actually. Okay. Um, I'll go with another treacly movie from a British director and say <laughs> Happy Feet. Ugh. Okay. Um, I'm going to go 52. Okay. Uh, I, I hate Happy terrible. Feet, but I think it might have gotten Did people better. like it? Oh. It won the friggin' Oscar. Oh, did it? Oh, uh, I should have rethought this. I didn't. I thought it was bad. Was I thought it was bad. Genuinely bad. Well, we haven't well, called it yet, so you can you can change your number. Okay. Um. Let me. Th- well, no. Well, I want to win. Um. <laughs> 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 I'll go with sixty-two then. I'll raise it by ten. Well, Brady, what are you at? Uh, I'll say. Oh God, I'll say seventy. Okay. I think you guys are in like the. Uh, you're in the twenties on your your score. I'm at seventy-four right now. Yeah. So, uh, what'd you say? I said 70. And what'd you say? 62. 62. Uh, so the only way I can win is if I, if it's actually zero. <laughs> uh, all right. I'll try. I'll just try to make up some steam. I'll give it a 90. See if that helps me. All right. 77. <laughs> God, that's too high. That Ugh. is way too high. Okay. Um. Oh, is this? And then I get. How does this? Okay. Total it. So, wait a minute. So, then I do 77 minus 62. So, 24, 29, 13. What'd you get, Brady? I got a 39. You got a 39? Oh, Jesus, you did really well. Um, I got a 57. Well, I got you both beat with 34. Props to doing your own score. <laughs> oh, sorry. I actually got uh, 80. Props 80 to lying. 87. 87. This victory feels hollow. It should. You should stop trying to win. Maybe I will. That's it. A Metacritical. I Fuck you. No. All right, everybody. That was a great round of Metacritical, and now we're back. I, th- I think Tess had a bunch of stuff she went. She said she was going to go on for hours or something. I might have. Yeah. Uh, now it's time. I'm going to have to, well. Defer to Brady. I mean, is there, yeah, defer to Brady. Is there, like, some kind of organization to this, or what kind of things am I to Th- There is, but now we're out in the ether. Our organization is, we do a plot synopsis. You guys got that? We do our uh, our letter grade. How did you like it? We did that. What did, what's and we it did all about? What's it all about? Which is kind of a thematic summation of what we think the theme of the movie is. So now we and just now talk. We talk oh, themes. Now, now we talk. Uh, no, not, not we themes. We talk about themes or scenes scenes, or sorry. whatever. Themes we want. Yeah, individually, yeah. which is kind of similar in and, some. And ways. I mean, if we're having trouble, the the cool thing we can do is we could just play a scene, and then hmm. we can all talk about that. Um. Well. One of the things that I did want to talk about um, was the fact that uh, Scott, who is uh, essentially what would be a villain in this movie, I don't want to. No, say, I, wanna, no, no. I, I don't want to go so well, far as to say villain, but it's not melodramatic, you know, he's so not. Really a villain. 
he's not, you know, he's not as rounded a character as I would like. Um, and one of the things that he does is point out a few things about Poppy that I genuinely agree with. Is that, you know, she's unnecessarily flirtatious. She's smug. She doesn't take things seriously. And when he says that she doesn't want to learn how to drive, I believe her. Or I believe him. Because she is so flippant and arrogant and I don't even I don't even know what I want to say arrogant but she's she's very flippant and she's very like non-committal she is is completely unserious about the driving lessons that she's taking with him and it regardless of whether he's a good or bad teacher you know it remains to be seen eventually you see that maybe he's not the best teacher but then also maybe he's not the best teacher because he's upset with her which is not her fault Totally, but um, the the main point that I wanted to bring up is that d- some of the things that he says about her are true. And one thing I want to put to you guys is, does she incorporate that into anything that she learns? Does she reflect upon it? Does she go, maybe I am smug. Maybe I didn't want to learn. Maybe, you know, maybe I am a really hard person to teach. Like, he doesn't does, call does her she smug, ever, though. He, he refers to a pupil. Smug. No, no, he, 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 he calls call her smug. smug. He does call her smug. I, I agree. He does. Uh, okay, you may be right. But, uh, honestly, uh, no, I don't refer... I don't believe she's smug. Uh, I mean, the entire... The reason that's the centerpiece kind of framing device of the movie is that that is... Uh, the movie is about looking at Poppy. Not just Poppy, but anyone like Poppy. Anyone who, uh, like Tess says, I mean, the way Tess refers to it is interesting. Kind of like unnecessarily just like, she's just so chipper that it can lead a person to believe, like, are you putting me on? Are, are you, you paying attention? Are you paying more attention? More to the point. You, you know, I think I had, wait, you had more. Well, but okay, yeah, I'll let Rob get to it. But I think the point of the movie is that, yes, she's very, very much paying attention. The point of the movie is that happiness does not make someone an idiot. And it doesn't also mean that they don't see misery in the world. That oh, yeah, optimism. Like when he says, do you know what a right brain person is? And she's like, she's like, yes, I, I do. Yes, I do actually. And he, he ignores just, her. Like, he's he just like fucking steamrolls over. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's that like you can be happy and not be an idiot is a big part of this movie, which is why I like it. Her optimism is earned. It's it's a process. It's a product of deep thinking, and she actually tries to cycle through mm. this. Um, so like, yeah. I don't think it's fair to say that she's not there to learn. She's very much there to learn. It's so, about the way the world interprets a person like Poppy is a big part of the movie. You know, yeah. explain to me, like as an, as an adult teacher of adult people, how you would incorporate someone that seems that shut off to learning as she did. And I want to, and I want to like clarify that scene where she first gets in the car with Scott and he's trying to teach her her to. He's trying to teach her to drive, and she, I don't want to say she seems unresponsive because she's clearly paying attention to him, but she's, she's being silly, she's joking with him, she's not paying attention to, like, any kind of learning techniques he's teaching her, she, she clearly refuses to change her shoes, um, which we've talked about earlier, 
But, you know, like a, a lot of the things that she does, uh, you know, from my point of view, if I were teaching her to drive, I would be like, are you even listening to me? Do you want to crash the car? What are you doing? Well, I mean, this is something that uh, I think I brought up when we were going to get beer earlier, <laughs> uh, which was um, y- you were bringing all this up and I was going like, yeah, but he enables her every step of the way. Like, you know, she shows up with these boots and he goes, these are unacceptable for driving. And then they do the driving lesson anyway instead of going home and getting new shoes. And then she does it two or three more right. times. And he just lets it go. And, like, like that's that's kind of the moat. That's the... Uh, the more important that's thing... That's the here, let me clue you in as to what I'm trying to say sort of motif. But, I mean, like, really, if you look at it in every course of their interaction, he's getting pissed off at her. And then she just keeps doing it, and he just keeps letting her. So, right, I mean, is that right. on her or is that on him? Because if he said, I'm not going to teach you unless you do this, then she would have to stop. But he let her keep going. Well, I mean, I have to tell you something about, like, letting people continue to do things. Anyway, um, <laughs> so, like, he he doesn't have complete control over her. He's just a driving instructor. If she wants to show up for her paid, like, lessons in the boots that he continuously tells her not to wear, like... There's not a whole lot he can do about He's that. He's free to go and find another driving more, instructor. I'll teach somebody else. More to the point, and I don't want to say that this is anything to do with her, but, like, you know, the fact that she continued to do that the, is the fact that, like, this probably crazy person continued to misconstrue this as, like, a come on. What, wearing boots? Wearing boots is a come on? Because they're fucking sexy boots. Yeah, I, exactly. How can you take Scott's side on that? Wearing I'm not, boots I'm not, is a come on. I'm not taking his side. I think I hedged my argument pretty well. No, no. I, I think she defends. She acquits herself very nicely. Right, but he's insane, so he thinks it's a come right. on. Right. He's insane, so. No, no. Fuck the come on. She acquits herself because when she's finally confronted, she's being good natured. And then he's like, like, are you going to change him? It's like, no. Like, if now that you want to, like, really press it, like, people wear all sorts of footwear. Oh, God, I'm wearing sandals. Like. Are we now reaching the point where I can only wear the most flat uh, footwear to drive? Otherwise, I'm endangering people. And yes, technically that's true. The most safe choice right. would be a completely yeah, flat choice illegal, footwear. Yeah, actually but yeah. So she she could just find. She's not wearing high heel stilettos. She's wearing just boots. Yeah, I know, but there are, cer- there they are certain actually, shoes that they are They actually illegal, are yeah. like the 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 heels on her boots are not wide boot heels. They are like. I, I want to clarify here. When you when you say boots. when you say stiletto, you mean a very very thin heel, and those that is what those boots had. No, they don't have stilettos. So what kind of boots are they? No, Brady's right. They, they didn't, have wider they didn't have stilettos. They had like a wide, but a wide but high heel. It wasn't like they weren't was, like an inch like a, thick though. And they no one like, drives with their heel. They were like a, they were like an inch thick. No, they weren't. They were like yeah, thin, thin You can heels. see it in the dancing scene when she's right. dancing with them. She wears them all, like everywhere. Like she wears them all the time. I'm clearly talking to people who don't wear high heels. <laughs> I mean, I've worn <laughs> high heels before. So, so is Brady. I, I can walk around in high heels and not fall over. And Brady and I, uh, you know, whoever wins understudy and basically picks three times uh, the other one, the other one's going to have to walk around in high heels. But uh, you guys got to tweet us at Carney Couch for that to happen. And that has not happened. And we're on episode 30 or something it's like okay. that. At this point. Once we get to 100, we'll have uh, 10 then, more then listeners. We'll, then we'll have listeners on and we will stab oh. them for not tweeting. Anyway. So, just in case you're a listener uh, and we invite you on, you might not want to accept that. Leave it to the people who didn't listen to this episode. 
<laughs> I will leave it to them. No, yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I, because we've, I think, I think, uh, just in this last segment, we've hit both points. Is Scott a complete lunatic who's painted to be the villain? No. Is Poppy uh, a daft idiot who's not paying attention to Scott? I don't Absolutely think anyone not. necessarily, like in in the course of the movie, would think that she is a daft idiot. No, no, but is she smugly? But- just putting him on, and she's just there to like uh, give me my driving permit. I don't think so. I no. think she cares about learning. Well, I mean, I think I think uh, I think we've hit our dichotomies. I think a really good thing to be talk about talking about would be that actor in this particular scene, and how he embodies like his vehement frustration with her, uh, because that was stellar. I think yeah, Eddie Marson is brilliant. Scene. Yeah, yeah, and and like for for those of you who haven't seen the movie, shame on you. Why are you listening to this podcast if you haven't seen the movie? And uh, I mean, do listen, but then also watch watch the movie first. Um, but anyway, like he's like spitting mad. He's just like just foaming Spe- at the spewing, mouth, like yeah. yeah, and it's just getting all up in his beard and stuff. And and that's a really hard thing to do as an actor because you're you're in a film. <laughs> And you know that this shot is going to be a ca- like a camera on you, and that you're just going to be seen as this foaming at the mouth mad dog. So for somebody to have the balls to kind of do that and like act that way and act it out that much is you know that very commemorable. It's good. Yeah. And he has to do it in a naturalistic movie full of naturalistic performances where it can't just be like a colorful villain. He still needs to fit in. As right. A person. Yeah. There's no melodrama mm-hmm. here. This guy is just just a a dude who is uh has a hard time being and, and uh, we and know dude. angry dudes like i i know i've met people yeah tess's like brother's pretty angry dude like everyone in the just room like, is thinking tess's brother thank you scott's the kind yep. of person who's like no one listens to me it's like jesus like i i really like i have something to say and i actually leaned over to brady or rob or some i don't know but during this movie, I went, this is what it would be like to have my brother teaching Maddie how to drive. Yep. That's exactly. This is exactly the yeah. situation like, no, you peep and creep. And also some ridiculous, insane crap that I'm about to yell about Kim, Kim trails and other bullshit. Like, you know, this guy believes in Kim up. trails. I woke up. Uh, I woke up 10 years ago. I woke up and yeah. I realized what was going on. And I, I woke up and Raha. Yeah, in raw. I mean, your brother also has like a sense of humor. Scott, Scott needs a sense of humor. Right. That's the thing, though. Is like I think that's the main difference. Is that yeah, my brother like is capable of understanding a joke where one is because he thinks himself. You know, he's a comedian. This guy has no no applicable sense of humor. Andrew calls some shit out, but uh, Scott is like, and that's where they misfire, and that's why I don't think she's just being silly. I think she's trying to leaven the mood. Like, she's just being oh, like, here's a personal yeah. story about me. I'm telling you a silly story because Poppy's way of dealing with things is I'll add this a bit about myself to relate myself to you. Well, and, But Scott takes everything seriously. She also tries to seriously. be very silly. She yeah. tries to be What's silly What's wrong with being everyone? silly, though? He's a There's... driving instructor. He's the one with the knowledge. She can be there and be silly and still listen to him. But well, it's I, I want to be silly in yes, a situation like yes, that. Yes, 
I want to be very—I want to be very clear about where he's coming from early in the film. Is that he feels that she is being dismissive, and oh, it no, is, I know. No, she and she. Sorry, but she's. It, it's very hard to teach or even talk to someone who you feel is being dismissive, even if they're not being dismissive. Like, if, if you get the impression from someone that they are dismissing you, it is really, really hard to talk to that person. And I think that's a lot of, of his issue with her early on is that, you know, he feels that she's smug and he feels that she doesn't want to learn to drive because she is being so incredibly silly during the instruction. Well, she doesn't take it seriously, obviously. Uh, it's just a thing. Like, she, she, doesn't n- she doesn't take any of her lessons that she takes seriously quote unquote but she still does learn from them and she like accepts them and l- more she most of them, them. I right mean, she doesn't become a tumbler she just fucking bounces right. on the trampoline and most of them are funner for her funner excuse me than this is they're more funner um most of most of the classes you see her take like the flamenco and you see her doing like a trampoline class and like these are all like way more fun for her than learning to drive learning to drive is stressful maybe she's taking that stress out in a really ridiculous way i don't know you know learning to drive isn't stressful if you just go off by yourself in a parking lot and start driving the car around i mean are we judging are we judging it's not i did that though like when i learned to drive stick I just took the car myself. Most people take driving lessons and stuff. Well, I mean, I took driving lessons when I originally learned how to drive, but when I was trying to figure out how to drive stick, I uh, I just went off in a parking lot, and I just fucking failed for two hours, and then I got the hang of it, and then I had my dad teach me after that, after I already kind of knew how to do it, and was just like, T- tell me the, the finer points. Yeah, I mean... Our- Seriously, are we judging her that hard just for telling a silly anecdote or two in a lesson? I wasn't judging anybody. Well, I was just no, it wasn't. No, no. Learning to drive. But stick. I'm saying, no, no, just in, in a general. It's totally sense. off topic. No, no, he's no, no, but talking this is where we are on on a, a filmic sense. He was. She wasn't just being like, "Oh, I'm going to tell you a silly story, and then we're going to get down to brass tacks, and you're going to teach me to drive, and everything's going to be cool." Like she I was. Think con- well, she, what no, 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 no. She continuously like. She she continues to like quote unquote flirt with him. I don't want to like take she's that not too. Well, she's not. Wait a but like I and I say quote unquote. Okay, so she's well, like she is. Hold up, she's being like she's being flirtatious, which is not like to say she's flirting with him, but it is to say that she's being she's being silly. She's trying to get a rise out of him. She's trying to get a reaction. She continuously throughout the lesson like proves time and time again that she is like maybe maybe not paying attention and that for a teacher in any situation whether you're a good or bad teacher would be incredibly frustrating and i for one was frustrated with her but he also eggs her on because he keeps talking about their personal life and this and that that's later though well i mean second second driving lesson Second, okay, but the first driving lesson is where I was most frustrated with her, right? And where I feel like most of this sort of starts to come but from. It, but if the first driving lesson was like that, why wouldn't you, as the driving instructor, on the second lesson, be like, "Now look, last time we didn't do this right. The right, w- like I'm going to tell you this. Like he he never laid down the line and said, a, "I'm the teacher, you're the student." A, he he just played her game the entire time. Like yeah. he did not take responsibility for being the driver, and he just let himself get sucked in. Wait, okay. I'm fine. You got me on poppy mode here. 
Listen, guys, she doesn't do much except tell a silly story, which he asks her for. Yeah, like, he have eggs you, her on, though. He says, have, no, it's not even an egging. Like, it's not so bad. He just says, have you ever driven before? And she ill-advisedly maybe says, yeah, there was this time we yeah. were drunk on a vacation. I drove a little car down the beach. And he immediately is like, no, well, that's not what we're going to do. We're not going to do that. I, right. I agree that his, his reaction was over the top. However... Like, when you're doing driving lessons in order to learn how to drive in order to get your license, is this kind of, like, official thing? It's like when you're taking a, a driving right. test, right? Like, so you kind of treat it with some respect, like, as if you're going to school, right? Yes. Like, like the, the instructor is not on the same level with you, and she always treated him like she, he was on the same level as her. And he never stopped her. That was the thing that bothered me. That was the thing that made me uncomfortable. Like, yes, why he is did. This teacher, no, why he is this teacher not... Yeah, but he continued to ask her things about her personal life. He's like, right. So you know, it's just like that is not the kind. That is not the professional way to behave <laughs> if you want to foster this sort of. Because she continued. Because she started the she started the whole personal conversation thing with him. Anyway, like I feel like he does constantly like shut down the fact that she's trying. She's trying to be really silly about this. Oh yeah, and he's he tries. Like, no, no, Inraha, listen to me, like blah blah blah. And she like won't do it. And she thinks Inraha well, is real kind of silly. Ridiculous. And she's like, not not listening. She's listening to it. But well, he, Inraha thing is pretty ridiculous. Brady, Brady. Okay, so like, yeah, maybe she's listening. But if I were him, I would never ever once know that. I would never assume that she was listening. Why? Because she's being friendly and making conversation during. No, the because she's being goofy and laughing through things that I say and interrupting me. That would be why that I assumed that she wasn't paying attention. It looks like she's not paying attention. I don't know. I mean, she yes. doesn't, she doesn't interrupt him that much. She she lets him talk. It's not like she's like completely shutting down his lesson. He's just assuming about her because she's happy and chipper no. that she's not listening to him. Well, uh, he's I don't assuming... think it's so much that. I just don't think that he's taking the the teacher responsibility. I mean, he's... So I think we all have disparate this... viewpoints Yeah, I know. On this. We, we clearly Lest do. Lest we forget, he's the one who leaps to conclusions. He's the one who's scared when two black guys ride by him on a bicycle. Yes. He's the one just when he hears that she lives with a girl roommate, assumes lesbianism. Like, she was being a little weird about No, that. she wasn't. All she said was that she Absol lived with no, her she roommate. Was she said that no, she but loves then, her. But then she and realized then he was it. Like, then he was like, you, wait, you love her? Like, how? And then instead of going, and oh, no, 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 she's just She realized what he thought, and she, she just played along. to play along. That totally happened. That happened. No, she shut it down. She made no, a joke. She, she was like, oh, yeah, that's it. All right, let's take but, a little yeah. break, and we'll come back with this conversation.
So do you live on your own? No, I live with my flatmate. Been ten years now. She's done well, bless her. It's a long time. She's gorgeous. I love her. <laughs> what do you mean, you love her? I mean, I love her, she loves me, we love each other. <laughs> What's it? She didn't say no. But why would she have to? You would not have to. No. And that's her entire reaction is like, you have a problem with lesbians? Like, and he said no. But he's acting very just like... Well, because he's curious about her and he's interested in her. No, he's acting stricken just like, but what? Like, you guys are... You guys are like... And he's like, yeah, is you that know, something is, that you safety. are uncomfortable I'm, I'm with? I'm sorry, Mrs. Jones. I'm sorry. Poppy killed your child, but don't worry. She looked really cool in her sexy, seductive boots. Oh, are you keeping you awake at night, Scott? No. Are you sure about that? That's a little goading. Are you going to do something about your boots? It's after that whole lesbian yeah, thing. Right, but... Very well. On your head, be it. It's not his End business, scene. but so, thoughts. Brady has some. Well, thoughts on what? Let's let's get specific. Well, what were you saying before? I mean, I think. Well, okay, we were talking before the patio talk that wasn't on the cot on the cast. Um, you were talking about. Um, let me see. We have the whole thing where uh, what we were talking about is like that she mentioned that that it's a lesbian and she goes like, oh, yeah, that's us. And like you get the shot of him where it's like totally did not get it at all. Totally did not get the fact that she was joking. Yeah. And she just kind of plays it. Right. It's not. No, it's not. And then we get that. She scene. wasn't. Joking. Hold on. And then we get that scene. And um, when he, he goes with the boots, she goes like, oh, what? Well, too sexy and seductive. Am I keeping you up? At, like that's goading. That's a little that's a little. That's a little p- over the line of the professional relationship of uh, a driving instructor n- and a blah, blah, blah. He so shouldn't have said they were sexy, seductive boots. Right. Absolutely. That was weird. And that's where you go, wait a minute. Wha- what's going on here? Exactly. Why so are you? Th- they're both at fault. Like, that's not cool for her and it's not cool for him. Yes, I do understand that his uncoolness and his uh, like, that's where I'm at is like he's. She's not behaving like a student, but he's also not behaving like a driving instructor. So what are we actually talking about here? I mean, I'm not with you guys on this whole, like, really, really formalized driving instructor relationship. Cause mm. all I mean, it is a business relationship like one would have with a guitar teacher. You show, like, right. a guitar teacher says you need to show up with, no, your, yeah. you need to show up with your binder every week, your guitar in a case, and you need to have a capo, a slide, and a tuner. Totally. Those are the things you totally. need to have. So totally. I so you need to show up with your boots not on every <laughs> yeah, week. Real shoes. I think she defends herself very well on that count. 
I think that's that bullshit. other people drive. Right. I think that's but, Scott but, trying boots? to control okay, but, a woman. But I mean, like that, that's well, all. But that, but like, sure. being, that would be like me saying to my driving or my uh, guitar teacher, "Well, no, I don't need a binder. I can remember it all, and I'm just gonna put the guitar on my back, and I'm not gonna use a case, and uh, I'm I'm not going to." And and then every time I come over, if it's if the guitar's fucked up because I fell down I and I cracked it, or I didn't have a capo because uh, I lost <laughs> it, or whatever, like my guitar teacher would be like, "That's why I told you to have all these things to make my life easier, not to make it so that you could do whatever the fuck you want." But really, to me, it's a bit more like your guitar instructor with a girl student says, "Stop wearing that short skirt. It's hard for you to hold your guitar in it." But really, it just makes me uncomfortable. Well, there's, okay, so I mean, the there's, boots, there's, there's certainly says, you, you lots think of the people boots, play guitar that way. Okay, so you think the boots aren't actually... Um, nope, don't think they're a problem at all. Okay. This is actually probably all right, true. Well, that would be the root of our disagreement. Um, I mean, that's probably true. I would want to say that it is hard to. It is harder to drive in high heel shoes. I've done it. I would prefer certainly. to take the shoe yeah, off. And in America, actually, it's illegal. But she has the legal right to do it, and Supposedly. she doesn't have to listen to him just because he's like, you can't wear your boots. She's like, well... Fuck what you. what this is to me though, like, is a um, a conflict of personality types, and it is you know, I've I've often been told in my in my job to just you know sit back and let people that I don't care for do what they do, and I need to deal with that, and that's a personal thing that I have to deal with. And one of the things that I think that Poppy should be doing is incorporating that there are fucking different personality types in her circle, and she needs to just shut the fuck up and deal with it. But Poppy's the one who gets that. Scott's the one who doesn't get it. I, I would go with Brady on that. Poppy is they just could... herself. That's it. She's not trying to change Scott at all. She's just trying to talk to him as a person. Right. And, um... But, you know, like in that same way, I'm saying, you know, yeah, maybe maybe I want to just be myself all the time. And maybe I can't do that because there are people that are not changeable that I'm surrounded with. And if I say, look, I want to change this person, people around me go, hey, no, don't do that. You just got to deal with your work environment or whatever. Well, maybe Poppy's right. Poppy doesn't try to change anyone. Well, She's just being herself. Poppy is probably maybe right in some cases, but, you know, there's a lot to be said for just dealing with the different types types of personalities that are around you. The entire way the movie plays out, though, is that, that she gets him. She knows him by the end enough to calm him down for making a bad decision. He completely writes her off. The movie a lot is about how someone like Poppy, Poppy just for being overly happy, overly giddy is written off for that trait. Yeah, I definitely agree that that's something that the, the film is trying to tell us, is that, like, okay, who's really wrong? The person who can't fit into society um, necessarily because of the way she's doing things? But, I mean, is that her being wrong, or is that society being wrong? But neither can he. I mean, I think that's the other thing. is that Right, but he kind of represents society and society's inability to deal with. Scott doesn't fit into society either. Like, and they, you know, there's all these, like, instances of him, like, being racist or paranoid or whatever. But, like, you know, I feel like. uh, Yes. And I think think that one of the things that uh, troubles me a bit about this that um, uh, I really like about another year and didn't care for as much about this is that another year like even gives their like villainous characters like multiple angles and different like things where you go I can really relate to this person 
And it doesn't want to give you an instance where Poppy is wrong, and it doesn't want to give you an instance where Scott is right. Even though I think there are a lot of instances where some of the things that Scott is saying about Poppy are correct. They're just not correct in the right way. See, but I disagree with that. I think the movie is about how Poppy is wrong in a lot of ways. And I think we do see a lot of truth in what Scott says. The movie is about her arc. But here's what happens. Rightly or wrongly, I know Scott doesn't get to have this. But what happens is Scott is in no way interested in trying to learn from Poppy's optimism. The entire movie is about Poppy trying to learn pessimism, Mm. trying to learn something about the other side. She goes out of her way, foolishly even, to go to that homeless guy and wants to know what makes other people tick other than her. The movie is about her learning that there are people different from her and wanting to know what what makes them tick. Ooh, ooh, I think we spent enough time on this and we can maybe go to the homeless guy after a couple closing thoughts from Tess. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, from my point of view, I want to say a couple things. Um, First of all is that first sequence you see with her with Scott uh, in the first driving instruction sequence. I was really on Scott's side and I found everything that she was doing irritating and put off it like like it put me off and I you know I felt like if I were Scott I would be extremely frustrated by the fact that she did not seem like she was trying to be there to learn and I've you know in in non-recorded conversations with this um it seems like no one is here to see that but i as a person who thinks that pessimism is really something that is real in there and should be considered like i'm just like well you know i don't even see anyway um I just really felt for Scott in that first sequence where he's trying to instruct her and she's just giggling and right. And I she think doesn't we... she doesn't seem to want to be even if she is learning and we, we I think we know that she is incorporating everything that he says. There's nothing that she does that indicates to him that she she's listening. Right, and it's confusing because we talked a lot about disagree. This. Yeah, we talked a lot about this kind of stuff off mic. Uh, so it l- for the listener, um, uh, we were talking about the idea of maybe a uh, driving instructor versus uh, a student being a professional relationship where, you know, you should just put your head down, do exactly what he says, and blah blah blah. And Poppy is not doing that. Um, uh, Brady's take on it was maybe slightly different. Well, I mean, I think she does everything he says. She right. listens to what he says to do. Right, but she's goof- other than the boots. Yeah, but she's yeah, but she's also kind of goofing off and like, hmm. like you know, being really cavalier about it. Yeah, it would be one thing if she was laughing and not actually listening to him, but she is listening. She's just having fun. Like, right. That that doesn't mean she's not listening. Right. That's the idiocy of that stance on optimism is that anyone who has a cheery attitude isn't listening to you. Right. They're just giddy. I, I, don't, is, I don't think that is. we're saying that she's not listening. I, I think it's you're just not copying the attitude. You're not playing this part where of you're someone like... someone that's listening? Yeah, you don't right. change you're your not, attitude yeah, for the person not talking? Pre- exactly. You you're should, not though. Perso- not, exactly. You should personality mirror every goddamn pessimistic, bitter person you meet. If, you're, if you meet... Just only in professional relationships right. where you're paying somebody to teach if you. If you're in a teaching situation or a work situation... I don't think you agree with that. I think you of I all do people, agree with that. I, really? Really? Yes. If I'm going to pay somebody to take a lesson and blah, 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 
I mean, I, I guess it's different in that in this situation, she's learning how to drive as opposed to what we have to do in driving school in America, which is like you have to get your 24, 28 hour. Like, I, I think it's totally even different now for kids. Yeah. But when when I was a kid, you had to um, have 20 hours of certified driving instructor blah 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 before you could even take the test to get your permit and then there they had to take the test to get your permit then you had to have the blah 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 hours and so we were paying somebody to get us a certificate and we just sat down put our head down and made it so that we could get that done right yeah right 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 Right. and so that's the standpoint that i'm coming from it but i'm also adding in the caveat of you know i took guitar lessons from greg and that was a total vocational thing like this in which case I did exactly everything Greg told me to just because, you know, it's Greg's time. And it was his like I was giving him money for his time, but it's his time. And if I like just went in there and just laughed at him and giggled throughout the entire lesson. Yeah, he might have just been like, can I borrow your tree string? But but it's not (laughs) laughing. Rob, I'm sure you talked to him like a human being because you respected him. You wanted to actually treat him as a person, not just. An automaton who was right. here to give you and a I, lesson. But I just don't think that everything Poppy was doing. Uh, I think she was kind of laughing at his method at quite a few yes. times. I think she was just trying to like get She's comfortable. Like, and Roha was that, eh? Yeah, just, you know. But she was like, laughing at his method. That's better than someone who just doesn't ask at all. She was actually engaging him as a person. Right, and I, I, I totally, I don't, I don't denounce the merits of it, but it was also, it's just kind of condescending. She is a little condescending. Well, as he said, smug. And she does have some smug elements really? to her. Because I think she talks to him completely directly. Well, I mean, I, I, I think we... From his point of view, I could see how that would sh- that shit would be smug. And he he is the fucking problem. Right. No, no. He that's defi- troubling he, to no, me. Well, uh, that's the other problem is he definitely is, is not... Like, that's, that's the other side of it. Is that, like, yes, he's the teacher and blah, blah, blah. And Greg was totally professional and be like... Like, you know, if I'd ask him about drugs or something, he'd be like, I'm not going to talk about that because that's not what this is about. It doesn't seem like the Scott character is the kind of person who would do that. He'd be like, drugs are for druggies and fucking druggy drug yeah. fuck fuck what, what fuckers. Are you, what are you drunk? You, are you junkie? Like, you know, he would I just like fucking like, <laughs> you know, yeah. But it, it, I mean, I don't know. To to me, it's it's not even like I think... Um, I don't know. Like she, she should uh change her the way that she interacts with people a little bit based on their personality. I don't know. But I did want to talk a a little bit more about the uh, the homeless man scene, Uh, or the quote unquote homeless man scene. So the thing I wanted to talk about with the um the uh, the bum character uh was kind of. like, did we talk about this? I know we talked about it in the plot synopsis. Yeah, I think we d- we certainly uh, mentioned it. Right, but did we actually talk about it in depth? Was that the first thing we talked about, or did we not get to it? I feel like we might have. I I might have said something about it. Um, right. Well, I mean, my whole thing about it was like, here's here's Poppy trying to communicate, trying to understand um, this kind of alternate viewpoint from the viewpoint of somebody who's. Um, it's almost kind of like unhappiness as a viewpoint of mentally ill, right? It's just like this guy is so unhappy or so just out of it or so like destroyed by the world as it is uh, in a way that he can't even do anything close to not only what Poppy does, but 
not even anywhere close to what Scott does or, or any other unhappy or semi-happy character in the film. Um, like this guy has like severe hypofrontality and just doesn't even know what is the right thing to do in any particular situation or case. And like he's just trying to communicate. And what I viewed it was um, basically like him trying to tell the story of like who his father was. And he does like this like punching thing and then he just stops and he looks at her and he goes, do you know what I mean? And then, and then, and she goes, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. And then he says, like, and then he goes, and she, and she, and she, and then he just, like, drops his hands to his side and goes, or, like, shakes his head or whatnot. And then he goes, do you know what I mean? And she goes, like, yeah, yeah, okay. You know, and then he just goes through all this stuff. And, like, um, they they have a moment after that where, like, he, he takes a step towards her af- after taking a, a, a piss. Right. And he just, like, starts to touch her, her face, but he doesn't actually touch her face. Right. Right. And, like, one way... I think way he to touches it for a second. I think one way to view it would be that she kind of pulled away and that made him not touch her face. The way I viewed it was he was never going to touch her face. And that's just him making another statement, like, and because of this, I can't... Do you know what I mean? Well, I mean, uh, yeah, and I, I see what you're saying. I mean, I think that scene is totally about her. What... To me, what it is is about, like, why I think it's beautiful and why I think it's very poetic. Not just in, like, oh, poetic, expressive, but, like, it seems like a poem to me. Is that it's about these bits of, like, recognizable emotion, recognizable language popping out through the scene. We get this sense that there was a person who he has a serious issue with. There was a woman who he feels very protective of. and But mostly it's just... It's hard to put together, and you can string it together other way, any way you want, and it's all strung together with him saying, like, do you know what I mean? And the point of it is, like, she's going through this issue with Scott. She's going through this issue trying to understand what's making her student be violent, and so she's gone to the very bottom of the barrel, someone who has been so hit by life. Something has happened, and we don't quite know what it is, that, that they're, they're essentially living on the streets, and so... All of that is punctuated with, like, do you know what I mean? And, like, to me, that's very poetic. It's just like, well, I don't know exactly what's going on with you, but I know what you mean. And what you mean is, like, there's something that happens to each of us that's so specific. We each experience hurt in such a specific way that it's hard for us to figure out what sends us to different places, what makes someone Poppy, what makes someone Scott, what makes someone any homeless guy on the street. Like, any person we pass on the street is a different story of hurt and misery, of, of something that's happened. And that's what Poppy's trying to figure out. And that's why I think, you know, I really do respect Poppy because she she may be a ditzy optimist, but she's trying to understand what makes right. a pessimist. She, she definitely gives anybody that she runs into an encounter with, like, a tremendous amount of leeway and a tremendous amount of, I, I will bear with you and, and sit here and go with you and, and try and figure this out. As best I can, and and to be honest, most most of the time, um, especially with the two really momentous occasions, uh, the the homeless man that we were just talking about and Scott, who we were talking about previously, it's not her that goes, "I'm done." It's them, like uh, him going, yeah, like he just kind of did that thing, and then he just kind of sauntered off into the night. Well, but that entire with Scott, I, with I Scott, mean, his whole thing, Scott just kept going. I just want to get in my car and go home. 
I just want to get in my car. That's though. that's the thing though. It's like that's actually funny that you said that, because like her last um, bit of conversation with the, hom- the quote unquote homeless person is like, "Well, where are you going to sleep tonight?" And he goes, "In a bed." In a bed. Yeah, but and I mean, then like that's almost also- condescendingly, and then like walks away, and it's like, well, from that, I'm almost like. Maybe that, he is going to sleep in a bed. I thought that might have been earlier on, and then they have a couple more. No, that's like the last thing. That is the last thing that right. he says to her. Is she's like, "Well, where are you going to sleep tonight?" Tonight, and he goes in a bed, and then just leaves. But and I, it's I mean, it's almost like I almost felt like, yeah, he is going to sleep in a bed. Like I don't, I have no idea based on that, like what his actual like where he was actually coming from. Right, and 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 nobody does. But I mean, like I almost viewed that as. Well, where else would I sleep in a bed? And uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that he is going to sleep in, in that a bed. In that same it's, way, though, it's like, just the answer to I, the question. I wanna, I wanna say, like, in that same way, though, like, because, y- and I don't know if this is like true dialogue or if you're just, you know, waxing here. But if Scott really did say, like, I just want to go home, I think like that's he does. really he did, he did if say that that, at the very end. That's really an interesting well, parallel. Well, he said it multiple times. No, he says it at the very end. Because in the final fight. you know, right, like in the final fight, exactly. Yeah. Uh, uh, the, that the, the fact that you have that you just have once, you know once, this moment once. of like a homeless person once. saying, "I'm gonna sleep in a bed tonight," and then like clearly upset Scott going, "I just want to go home," and we don't know that he's gonna. No. we have no idea that he's no, actually Scott wanting says it to multiple go. Multiple times because he keeps asking her no, to get back, and she like, goes, "I'm not gonna give you the keys back." He's like, "I just want to get in my car and drive home." He it does makes, that several times, it and then makes, she's like, "We're gonna have a talk." And then they do the thing, and then he and then he says it again, and blah, blah, blah. it makes me wonder if he really wants to go home. Oh no, or no, no! Like you know, like just that that parallel, like just to throw out an idea. Um, maybe maybe like that. There's some parallel there that you know you have this homeless person saying, "Well, I'm going to sleep in a bed," and this distraught guy going, "I just want to go home." Like we don't know, we don't know if either of these things are true, based on these like based on the the assumptions that we have. Wait, I don't understand that Scott doesn't really want to go home? Yeah. Where does he want to go? I don't know. Well, you know, he went and to hung the out. pub. He went. Sure. Sure. Maybe to a pub. Maybe he w- wants to go me, hang out in I front felt, of her house. I felt maybe he wants to go do a bunch of other things that aren't going home. Maybe he's lying. Well, well let me put it to no, you this way. In that final scene with Scott, like he's trying all the different colors he can. Like, he's trying all the different emotions he can, like the furious emotion, the the sad emotion, this and that, to get her to give him the keys back. And and so his statement of, I want to go home, is, is basically, like, just, like, it's an actor motivation sort of thing, where it's like, this is what my actor wants, or this is what my character wants, and so I'm going to try the vehement and angry speech, I'm going to try this and that, I'm going to try that, and, and she's just like, I'm not going to give you what you want to... And and eventually she gives in. That is that is the first time actually throughout their entire relationship that Poppy just totally gives in to him and gives him the keys despite the fact that she waits a long while to right. do so. But she does give in in, in the end. Yeah, because the point is he's a being dangerous in that scene. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Never drive when you're mad. Now, honestly, like guys, I think we're honestly. I don't want to diss or shit on what you guys are saying. There are but, no wrong answers. But they're wrong. Yeah, your answers are wrong. I, was just, no wrong I wasn't answers, saying that it was like a thing. It's like me throwing out an idea. Like when I said, hey, what would gravity be, be like if George Clooney was played by an actress? Like, I'm, 
I'm definitely not asking you to shit on the theory. I'm just throwing something out there for you guys to think about. Okay, so if he... Okay, fine. I'm drawing a parallel between the the, the homeless, homeless person and saying I, I, I'm going to sleep in a bed and him saying I want to go home. That's that's all I'm doing. All right, saying, so, hey, let's think so about tie, that. Tie it together in a nice bow. What does it mean thematically? Um, it means that maybe people are lying to you. Ma- people are lying to Poppy. That's that's the theme of the movie. People are lying to Poppy. I didn't say that was the fucking theme. But maybe. I'm saying that I don't think I'm we're talking dr- about a theme here. I'm not talking about a goddamn theme. Yeah. What are we talking about? I'm just throwing we're, out we're talking thoughts. About things that are in the film and kind of that exist or? that maybe coexist. But but n- we're not talking about things that happen. We're saying if if what they say is not the truth. So you the want an I- overarching the theme? Of what Poppy they say. is a bitch. The inver- There's my overarching I- if theme. If the inverse of what right. characters well, what's say your point, is true. Brady? No, no, I'm just trying to get at what uh, I mean, Tess is I, saying. I think, I think what Tess said and what I said are both valuable things to say. Did you have something else to add to them? No, no, I, I was trying to get All to right, the then, bottom of what then, it meant. Uh, then what did you want to say? I w- no, I I was trying to oh, get to the moving b- on. What did you want to say? I was trying to get to the bottom of what it meant. Yeah, no, no. I'm just glad I'm not the asshole here for once. Mm. I, I'm not an asshole. I'm just Socrates. No, you're not an asshole. I'm just not. I'm just That's Socrates. Right. I'm just trying to ask <laughs> what time. it means. I know. I I just want to know what it means. I'm not. I was just. I was positing like an idea for thought and wanted to see what you had to think about it. And apparently, your thought was this is bullshit. So no, no, I'm my, gonna drop it. No, my thought is what does it mean? I thought your thought was that's wrong. Um, that would be the maybe thought. you shouldn't assume what someone's thought means. What no, you, is, did you did say, it was say wrong. that out loud. <laughs> no, no, I'm giving you what I think. What I think is I want to know more about what you think. Let's play well, it back for him where he that said that we were wrong. Poppy doesn't give up on people. The people give up on Poppy before she gives up on them. Well, not you, what Tess means. I was uh, just Tess was just saying that was interesting, and this might be another yeah. way to interpret it. I was just saying it was interesting that both of these like pivotal characters that she deals with, you know, like well, because you were saying like if Scott's lying about wanting to go home, if the bum's lying about having a bed, so what does that? What do those two things mean? I I don't know. I'd have to think about it. A uh, little that more. without without Poppy's outlook, perhaps they can't um, entirely understand the fact that they don't have a home to go to. Okay. Hmm. Does that tie it together and no, need enough good. package for you? No. Pompey? No, 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 it, it doesn't. Hey there, Pompey. Especially since you didn't uh, posit either of those two points. What? Well, I posited the point that, uh, S- that Scott says he wants to go home, and I posited the point that the bum says he uh, he uh, is going to go sleep in a bed, and that that's how he breaks off the conversation with Poppy. Uh, yeah. No, but what I'm interested in is Tess's idea that he's lying. Well, I'm not saying that they necessarily are, but I'm saying like... But the possibility. These two things seem to ring so similarly to me that I'm saying, well, you know, maybe it's an indicator that... that sounds interesting. I don't understand why you're picking it apart. Yeah, that I'm... I'm not picking it apart. I want to know more about it. I'm saying like I have... I don't have an idea. I'm just saying this sounds like an interesting parallel to me. I want to know what you guys think. Because I don't have any other ideas. I'm just saying it sounds like an interesting parallel. 
And, you know, it, I, I think that in this case, like, either both of them are telling the truth or both of them are lying. So maybe he does have a bed to go to and maybe he does want to go home. So to answer Brady's question, uh, answer your question, sorry. Maybe my, I'm my parallel is that uh, instead of Poppy giving up on people, it's usually the characters that give up on dealing with Poppy. And yours is, um, and Brady's is, uh, they don't have anything to do with each other at all. No, no, I, I wasn't saying that. I wasn't saying anything. I was asking. Well, Tess just asked the question. What might these I'm positing an idea. Like, that's I'm my not answer, saying and your answer is, I don't think they have anything to do with each other. That's No, I didn't say that at all. Okay, well, uh, then go ahead. Uh, if you want to know what I think of the homeless guy thing. No, I, what do you think about the point of the homeless guy saying, I'm going to sleep in a bed? And um, breaking off the conversation and Scott as such saying, and I just want to go home. Do those two things have anything to do with each other? That no. was Tess's question. Uh, Scott saying I want to go home is probably one of the most honest lines in the movie. It really is him like at a breaking point where uh, but he got caught in a lie in that scene and was acting dangerously. Well, Scott actually, is in the wrong in that scene. I, uh, what lie did he get caught in then? Uh, he got caught in the lie of stalking, said uh, he was with his mom. He drove like a jackass. He called people Arabs. He said, don't drive like you're driving a camel. He drove like an idiot. Poppy stood her ground, like the flamenco teacher said, and said, no, you're not going to drive and cause a car crash because you Ooh. almost did. Um, and so I'm going to hold your keys. He pulled her hair, called her a bitch. She still held her ground. And he finally confronted her, made it all about sex. It turned out that really this was all just about her having him having a crush on her. At um, like he wants to go home. A nice little so package. I want to. I want to draw a parallel from what um, my and I think this and is none kind of, of that why, has anything to do with the homeless. Why? Guy. Well, I think part of why I'm bringing this up is that like, and maybe you can interpret this like, however, um, and it's prob maybe probably possibly wrong. But um, one of the things that I wanted to say that this really reminded me of and probably why I brought it up in this parallel is in um, Fargo, um, when she goes to dinner with, uh, what's his name? Um, Mike Yanagita. Yeah, who lies to her. And he's the, like, having dinner with this person, like, makes her realize that she is being lied to. And I felt like that situation with the homeless person was very similar to that um, intermission, as you will, in, in Fargo, where she has this kind of moment where she realizes that someone is lying to her or that, that, there, that there's something, like, incredibly amiss. And the reason that I wanted to draw that parallel in the first place is because it felt very similar to me as in Fargo. Is like, she, she has this last moment with this guy where he says I'm gonna go sleep in a bed and that felt very similar to a lot of her interactions with Scott and you know Scott subsequently lying to her for a lot of like in, in a lot of situations and like maybe about the stalking maybe maybe about going home I don't know what it was but like that kind of setup and like the parallel felt really clear to me so. Okay, T to me, like the bed thing is that it's not necessarily it's almost like the Forrest Gump thing where like people are like, oh, it's about a retarded man. It's like, no, no, uh, not necessarily. He's just mentally handicapped. The same thing is like if you want to make it about Poppy visits a homeless man, 
Not necessarily. He may have a bed. He may even have a home. The point is, he's deeply damaged. Like he's, he's a uh, lost on a sea of his own, you know, his own troubles. It's not that he's homeless. It's that there's this gap, this gulf between people that uh, interrupts communication, and so she goes to this guy who's babbling to himself and tries to learn about him. And we're all thinking like, oh, this is her talking to a homeless guy. He might not even be homeless. Right. But she doesn't believe him when he says that he's going to go sleep in a bed. She does believe him. She kind of doesn't. She does. He's very convincing. He's maybe the most honest, believable character in the movie because occasionally he actually speaks like a person. Most of the time he's babbling. But I feel like she reacts sarcastically I, I to his response. I kind of viewed it as another person giving up on trying to continue to communicate with Poppy. Not necessarily because of Poppy's fault, just because it's so hard for people in pain to communicate with somebody who is clearly not. But she's trying hard to communicate on their level. Right. I agree, but still, it's not her giving up. She's willing to go the extra mile and keep, keep going and keep going and keep going. And it's only when they go, I can't do this, that it ends. Okay. Anyway, I I, th- I think we've kind of run the gamut on this film. Uh, None of us agree. This is kind of incredible. Well, you know, we we're all very unique people, and we have yeah, our own various degrees of pessimism and happiness going on as well. To tie it back to the film, usually and it's just us yelling at you. Yeah, I know. This is nice. Uh. You're yelling at each other for once. And We're all yelling at each other, and that's nice. There will be no sex in the Larson household. We're talking about there, there won't be. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> you weren't supposed to confirm that. It was supposed to be a joke. No, it's, um, it's because our loft bed. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> Gravity. Um, anyway, uh, Grand Budapest Hotel next week. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. We're going to do that next week. And uh, fucking everyone hates each other. Theme song. (laughs) Carnivorous couch. It happens once a week. It swallows us for two hours when we try to sleep. It forces us to watch a film about which we then speak. Carnivorous couch. With Brady and Rob. Ring. <laughs> <laughs>